Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. All right, it's my pleasure to welcome back Ryan Chan to the podcast. Welcome back, Ryan. Thanks, James. Good to uh, good to be here. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it has been. Um, you know, I'm I'm guessing you've been a little busy. You know, up keeps growing. Constantly see you guys doing things, whether it's webinar, the maintenance community, all kinds of other things going on. Um, tell us about it. How how has things been? Oh my gosh. Let's call, I, I don't know when the last time I was on the podcast, but let's call, I don't know, 18 months since the start of the pandemic, at least in my mind, it's like pre-COVID and then there's like post-COVID. So uh, I think the last time has been at least 18 months ago. So over the last 18 months, the company has grown a ton. It's, you know, you've probably seen it all across uh, social media. We've been hiring constantly. We moved our team from a an office here in LA to a pretty globally distributed employee base all across the U.S. And we also have some people international now. Um, we've spun up the maintenance community, which is you know, the largest online Slack community for maintenance professionals. Um, we've developed new courses, brought in new customers. It's been a ton of fun. Uh, really exciting times over here, James. Yeah, definitely. And I can speak. I received a nice little benefit from you guys this or on Friday when I got home. My uh, backpack was waiting for me. All so right. I definitely appreciate it. <laughs> That's a big thank you to, to you and to everyone in, in our community who's played a pivotal role in helping educate other other people in our industry. So thank you, James, for, for doing that. And um, hope you enjoy it. Yeah, I'll definitely be using it on my flight out to LA next week. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today was really mobile work solutions. All right. I work with a lot of clients that are focusing on mobility. They want to do mobility. Um, but I don't know if it's, they don't know how to implement. They don't know how to select. There's IT challenges with it. There's all these things that come up. And that's why I kind of want to talk to you about today, but in your mind and with upkeep, what is a mobile work solution? <laughs> I mean, that could go in so many different directions. But I think the direction that we're really asking here is as it relates to maintenance reliability in our, our kind of industry. At the, at the core of it, you know, mobile work solution is workflow execution software for maintenance teams focused on the end user and the technician, enabling them to do their work out in the field, enabling them to basically capture work orders, receive notifications, get work or get information about the job that they're supposed to be doing from a mobile device. Um, and typically this falls under the umbrella of CMMS and EAM. And that's, a, that, that's kind of mobile work solution in a nutshell. Obviously, could go really, really deep into, into that too, which I think we have planned for today's discussion. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, those mobile work solutions, it could be a phone, a tablet, could be industrial computer, could be all those different platforms, right? It's not just one or the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, most commonly though, uh, it, it is a 
you know, mobile phone that people have in their back pocket. Uh, I, I think we have seen people put tablets on, you know, carts and push it out. Um, th those are most commonly the, the ways that people get mobile solutions out into the shop floor. Um, even if it's having like a, a station too, a desktop station that they can push around as well. All right. Excellent. Now, why would organizations want to leverage mobility in the first place? What's oh, wrong yeah. with a traditional computer just sitting there? <laughs> what, uh, why, why is it important? Tech spend, you know, most of their day up to 80, 90% of their day out in the field. Um, why is it important to leverage mobility? And you know, we want techs and, um, our, our team to be able to spend as much time turning wrenches out in the, out in the shop floor versus, you know, in front of a desktop, re-entering in, in information. Um, we've seen drastic uh, returns on investment, drastic productivity in increases when you enable technicians to and maintenance teams to be out in the field and capture all the work and get all the work that they need from a mobile device. So leveraging mobility, extremely important to increasing productivity, um, making and enabling people to go home to their, their families and get home for dinner on time and early. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a key point is, you know, making sure we get home on time, getting that work done, not tying people up, waiting in line for a computer, which I see in a lot of organizations still. They have two, two computers for 20 techs and they're sitting there waiting in line to enter their work orders in at the end of the day. So we eliminate all that with mobility. I mean, yeah, it, it's crazy. And then obviously when I think about those situations, so those situations, I also think about like how each one of these individuals probably has a phone in the back pocket. That's probably just as powerful as these like very, very old uh, computers that they might be using at work. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Now, I hear a lot of organizations ask for, they talk about mobility, but it seems like they never get implemented. Like, you know, why is that? Uh, I mean, some do, right? Like, you know, some some do get implemented, but I think what you're getting at is it's difficult. Change management is difficult. When we think about bringing in mobile technologies into our uh, into um, a business. Like, there's a lot, there's actually a lot to think about. You know, connectivity. There's security. There's who's going to supply the hardware. There's um, you know whether or not we put Wi-Fi, we enable like cell cell service to be uh, um, enabled on our plans. Um, there's a question about like pricing costs, like who's going to pay for it? How do we reimburse? So ultimately the idea of bringing mobile solutions, I think if you ask anyone, I think to your point, they will say it makes sense. But when it comes down to the brass tacks of it, it, it's, it does take work to implement these solutions. And I think oftentimes in our uh, industry, you've got fire fires just popping up every day. Like you can either focus on the reactive stuff today or the things that will set you up for long-term success down the future. Um, and, and I don't blame people. If there's a fire going on today, you have to put out the fire. Um, yeah. As much as we all do want to think about the long-term, and many people put like – mobility, improving productivity on, on the back burner for things that are extremely urgent today. Yep. Absolutely. You know, the, the cost part, 
well, if it's, is it our technology or tablets or is, are people going to use their own phones? And if so, do we have to reimburse them? How much to reimburse them? And there's all these never ending rabbit holes you end up going down. Um, one of the big ones I see is the technology side of it. You know, what's the technology challenges with mobility, whether it's infrastructure, security, all these other things. Do you see a lot of, a lot of technology challenges as well? I mean, yeah, kind of, right? Like, I think most plants nowadays, like, have some sort of, you know, Wi-Fi set up within their plant. You know, if they um, if, if they don't, sometimes you, you, know, you enable cell service. I think generally most companies are pretty good about that. They've got routers. They've got um, Wi-Fi connectors around, around the plant. So that that's typically okay. I think there is a big question around devices. Like, who supplies the devices? Does the... Does the company itself or do we have a bring your own device policy to work? But then obviously if you do that, there's a lot of other things that come in place. Security. How do people sign on? If it is our personal device, like who is responsible for the security of that device and are people okay with that? Um, I think there are questions around depending on which industry you work for, but intrinsically safe. If you have, if you're in an oil gas plant, like, you know, there's approved uh, hardware vendors that you can use out in the plant. So, I mean, generally, yes, you, there are technology considerations. I, I think that um, in today's day and age, we're becoming more okay with bring your own device policies to work. I think we are generally okay with um, essentially like routers and how to get connectivity to your devices. But I think to, to your other point, James, uh, another thing that is becoming an ongoing issue is security. Yeah. And do you see that as a, being perceived as a large risk by organizations? Absolutely. Absolutely. So how do, they, how do they overcome some of that? I mean, we see it in the news. I think a couple of weeks ago, you know, there's a massive cybersecurity attack. Um, there's ransomware uh, that is holding down critical infrastructure of not just like our oil and gas lines going on the going down on the, the east coast, but also there's like ransomware that literally attacked our food infrastructure here in the US. So cybersecurity, massive issue right now going on. The question around how do companies get around that, I think that's to be determined, but uh, I think that there are a lot of uh, I don't know, ways to prevent simple ones, obviously using single sign-on, using a provider like Octo so you can actually um, enable uh, your your teams to have a um, more secure method of accessing their information. I think simple things like two-factor authentication is becoming more and more of an um, importance within society t- today because we're seeing you know, some of the devastating impacts that it could have. But I think the the question around like how do we solve that is a tough one because the the technology around cybersecurity is actually evolving very fast and there's a ton of venture capital going into building more robust cybersecurity protocols. But every single time we do that, right, like the hackers of the world uh, are developing at the same rate. You know, they're getting more sophisticated. They're getting um, I don't know. I don't know. Smarter is the right term. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's an ongoing challenge that you know mm-hmm. it's it's going to be there regardless, right? 
it's going to be there regardless. And it's a, it's a difficult um, problem to tackle. It's also one of these industries that you don't, I mean, you hear about the consequences of it, but you don't necessarily hear about like the inputs that are going into uh, cybersecurity because it's not one of these things that companies want to talk about a lot because yeah, in terms of like, here's all of the new safety protocols that we put in place because the moment they do that, now hackers better understand what kind of you know, cybersecurity defenses this business has. So it's this weird industry, incredibly important, a lot of money going into solving this, but you don't, you, you don't hear about like necessarily the, the inputs going into this industry. You really only hear about like the negative consequences that seem to be, you know, happening on a more free, frequent basis. All right. So definitely something everyone's conscious of and trying to work about. Now, the other challenge with mobility that, and maybe this isn't a big of a challenge as it has been in the past, but what about work in remote areas? Are, do we have to have a Wi-Fi or cellular connection? Is there options for uh, online, offline? So, you know, we download what we need for the day. We work. When we get back to somewhere with reception, it reestablishes connection and does the exchange or sync. Um, are those options for remote Absolutely. areas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think in the past, um, you know, if you're in a mine or you're, you know, out in sea, like you, you basically have zero cell reception. So, I think businesses and, you know, especially mobile first products and companies have built some pretty robust offline capabilities that enable our, you know, end users to be able to do their work offline. And you know, as soon as it hits cell service or Wi-Fi, it can basically pipe all of that data up to the cloud. So I think that's becoming less of an issue now in terms of like connectivity, just because we're developing better solutions. I, you know, Something in the news today, you've got like the Starlinks that are trying to uh, give the entire globe access to the internet. So me personally, like I think that's going to be um, become less and less of an issue as connectivity improves across the globe and also, you know, technology improves to enable better, uh, let's call it remote work and um, offline work too. Excellent. So once organizations work through all those technology challenges, right? So what device, who owns it, security, all the connectivity, then we got to work with people. Now, do you notice if there's any challenges with adoption of mobility because of people? Um, you know, in general, is there a change management piece? Is it, you know, I don't like this thing. It knows what I'm doing, where I am. You know, do you see those types of things come up? All the time. All the time. And as you mentioned, you know, people don't want to be tracked. Um, I, I think that there is uh, some conversation to, to be had around if I'm using my personal device, why do I have this thing like on my personal device now tracking me, following me? Um, there's a big, uh, you know, let's call it like challenge with this change management around. I liked what I was doing in the past. I understand it. Like, why do we have to move to this thing that, you know, I, I don't understand? And you choose the wrong system, you choose the wrong software, you choose the wrong solution. Like, it actually does add more work to the end of their day. Um, we, you know, I kind of kicked, it's funny, I kicked off this conversation saying that mobile solutions enable people to do their work out in the field and make their job more productive, easier. What we actually found is 
many times that's not the case. It actually adds more work to the, their day. If you're going from, you know, a paper pen solution, you actually call in your work and have someone else do it. Now we've got mobile devices and now I'm responsible for doing it. It actually does add more work to the end of their day. Um, and I think what it is, what you're pointing out, James, is there's kind of like a cultural shift that needs to be had before you start like adopting any new technology. And I'm sure you've dealt with this many, many times. It's the people that are actually the most important puzzle puzzle piece to making making a you know mobile work solution a, a success. Yeah, absolutely. But like you said, if you add extra work on for them, they're not going to like it. And especially if they don't know the benefits of it, right? So you mentioned, you know, less time into computer, improved productivity, but some of the other stuff is now I can do real time work orders. So I can actually hit the start button when I get there, the end button when I'm done, I actually got a true mean time to repair now. Yeah. Right. You start getting all these added benefits, but if they don't know what those benefits are and how it's going to help them in the long run, not necessarily want, they don't necessarily want to adopt those things. Right. Yep. I mean, I totally agree. And th- this is an interesting conversation because let's take it from the perspective of a tech. Now it's like, okay, cool. Now I can like, you know, hit start and I can hit stop when I'm done. To them, if they're not looking at the data, why should it matter to them? And to, to what we were originally saying, that actually just adds in more work to the end of their day. But I think what's really interesting and what the best companies do right now and what the best teams do is they get technicians to capture data, but they also surface the data to them so that it's not just, oh, hey, you can start and stop when you, you know, started the job and finished your job. It's you can do this and now we can find mean time to you know, repair and break down. And let me show it to you as the technician. Typically, this is not like the level of detail that they had in the past. It used to be someone else in the back office who would calculate all of this. And I think that's the really cool part about, you know, how technology is, is evolving. It's no longer just, you know, the person in the back office crunching all of the numbers. Now we can have this in real time, put it on a mobile device and enable our technicians to not only capture data, but also like start up-leveling their position to analyze the data that they're, they're inputting. This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out iridicio.com for a free copy of their ebook, A Smarter Way of Preventative Maintenance. This ebook will allow you to review your current maintenance program and eliminate the non-value-added work you're doing, which is most likely causing you more downtime than it is preventing. www.iridicio.com Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't a mobile solution I was doing at the time, but I was just trying to get our mechanics in a past life to capture some failure codes. You know, was it electrical, mechanical? Was it a pump, a fuse? You know, basic stuff like that. And it was paper-based and they didn't like it. So initially, um, you know, lots of coaching, lots of continued, hey, you missed this or you got to fill this out. Here's why. And for a lot of them, it didn't click. And then one day we got pulled into a meeting because there was a large breakdown on the line. And operations was saying, you know, this has been a problem. This has been ongoing for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I pulled up all the da- failure history and data we had now because the mechanics that were collecting is like, no, every time they went to the line there, it wasn't that. It was actually this. Yeah. And then it clicked for the mechanics like, now we can actually say that, you know, it, in this instance, it wasn't a mechanical issue. It was an operator training issue. Yeah. Um, or in this instance, 
yeah, that's a repeat failure. Now we can get some funding to actually go target that. But until they actually saw that data in work and being used, they thought it was just some some other admin activity that had no bearing on anything. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's like, you know, why are you asking me to capture failure codes? It's just extra work to my day. If you don't explain and the, the why behind it, it's, to your point, never going to click. And I think that's one thing that technology has really enabled. It, it, it's enabled this, like, I don't know, level playing field of access to data. And with that access to data, now everyone can make smarter decisions. It's not just the, the analyst in the back office, like, crunching numbers. Yep. That's really cool. Now, you know, there's a lot of options for these mobile work solutions, how do organizations pick the right one? Whether they go tablets, phones, industrial computers, you know, cellular, Wi-Fi, software, all these things. How do they go about choosing the right one? I'm going to give like a simple answer and then I'll give like the nuanced answer. The, the, the simplest answer is kind of like don't overthink and take what best practices are in the industry and just kind of choose that. And the one easy ish way is like find a, you know, a sister facility that's doing a great job at that and use that as a baseline. And the reason behind, behind this is like, we, we kind of talked about like all the nuances when you change, when you have this change management and all the things that you have to figure out, or it's like intrinsically safe, cell connectivity, it's who's going to pay for it. Like these are all very, very, um, these might not be things that you think of when you think about rolling mobile solution out to, to your team. But if you find someone who's done it before, and hopefully it's a you know sister facility that you can basically ride the coattails of, then you can start focusing more about like how do you innovate and push, push farther um, within your team versus like how do you lay the ground foundations because there's a lot of people who have done it in the past. Absolutely. All right, so that's kind of like the the simple way of doing it, right? The the more I don't know, the the more nuanced way of doing it, right, is like define requirements, chat with the team, get group buy-in, like define like what you're tracking, why you're tracking, and how the solution is going to help improve uh, these metrics and goals and KPIs for your business, um, like. That's, that's all great, but what we also find too is like it's kind of a crawl, walk, run approach in many of these situations. Um, and every single business is just a little bit unique. And what you can find is just spend, spend you can find yourself and your business, your team spending uh, months and months and potentially years trying to find the best solution while in between making very little progress to, to delivering value to the the existing team that you have. Yeah. And I think one of the things that trips people up when they're doing that, um, what do I need versus what do I like to have? Yeah. So must have versus, you know, like to have type things and they don't separate those two. So they're trying to find this perfect solution that ha- that covers all their mandatories, but also all the stuff that maybe we'll do in the future. <laughs> and it's a big maybe there. So <laughs> I think they really got to focus on what are the must haves versus the nice to haves, if you will, and uh, really focus on that first. It separates it, makes it a little bit easier, I think, to pick the right solution. 
Oh, I mean, absolutely. And that kind of goes back to like what I was talking about. You know, I think there's been enough time in this industry where we have developed or some, some plans have developed like best practices for, you know, how to deploy solutions, how to manage change management, how to, you know, connect your plan. And there, there's a lot that we can actually learn from them um, versus, you know, trying to start from the ground up. Um, and, uh, I'm kind of always a, a fan of that. Just um, find a team, find a plant that you, know, you, you think is one or two stages above where you are and use that as like the base foundation for, for a starting point. Yep, I like it. So here's the magical question. So how do we overcome all these challenges and actually get a solution implemented? How do you get a solution implemented? Oh man, the uh, the, the magic question towards um, 100% success on a mobile uh, workforce management solution. Um, you know, I think we talked a lot. One is like choosing the right technology. Two is like having the right infrastructure. Three is like getting people bought into the change. So how do you do that? How do you choose the right technology? How do you set up the right infrastructure? I think a big part of that is just comes from like, okay, defining goals, defining KPIs, defining like what the outcome is. Um, the, the piece around like people though is, is an important one. We briefly talked about this, but the why behind what you're doing is probably the most critical component to it. You can find the right technology, whatever, um, but if you don't have the people that are bought into this, you know, your, your implementation is going to fail. It's just as good as having no system, no solution, no, no technology. Yep. But when you marry the, the right technology with the people who are bought in, that's when you can have massive uh, productivity enhancements and gains. All right. So not only the technical side, but we've got to get the soft side in place too, or else we're not going to be successful. Yeah, I mean, I think that we were looking at some stats the other day. It's like two-thirds of, of companies either have a CMS or have tried to implement a CMS in the past. So that, that's like one, one coin. The other side to the coin is that we found that up to two-thirds of companies who have tried this implementation have failed. Um, and what I'm trying to get at is like, let's call it like two thirds of implementations fail to deliver a positive ROI for their business. I think, yeah, you know, again, I come from the technology side. So I basically say, I do believe technology has positive ROI for a business, but a big portion of these negative returns on investment come from, we purchase something, don't get group buy-in. And it goes into this like category of here's something that we purchase that no one really uses to its full capabilities. And then they go look for another CMMS because they didn't get the benefits they thought they should have gotten, even though they're just not utilizing it correctly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Now, any other thoughts on mobility? Anything that you've recognized you guys are doing with mobility that we didn't touch on? Um, I mean, I think the one misconception of mobility is like, oh, it's just a workforce solution on a mobile device. And you can do the same things you could do from a desktop, now you can do it out in the field. And I, I think that there is a big aspect to that, but I think what people often forget too, when 
enabling for mobility is kind of the cool things you can only do with a mobile device. You know, from scanning a QR code, being able to pull up an full entire asset uh, record. It's like how can now you can incorporate GPS and GIS into how you operate and manage and um, dispatch a, a team based off of where they are. You can't do that from a desktop. Um, now you can take pictures, record audio, and take videos. That's something you can't really do with a desktop because you know that would require you know getting out a camera and recording, come back, coming back to the office, and then. Um, plugging in your USB cable. Like there are actually really interesting things that a mobile device can do that your desktop can't. You know, one of the really interesting ones that we saw from one of our customers is how they utilize speech to text for technicians out in the, out in the shop floor. You know, they, they didn't want to get their phones greasy and dirty. So they wound up using speech to text for all of their notes. And that's, again, something you can't do with a, a desktop. So maybe what I'm trying to say is like, it's not just about like doing the same work you could do from a desktop now on a mobile device. It's actually like opening up a whole new field of what's possible. And I think that's really cool. Yep. The, the thing you mentioned when you said that, what that came to my mind was videos, pictures, you know, it's not easy to attach those into a traditional CMMS. Um, and the other big thing is if you have large networks of distributed assets, the GIS piece is huge. Now it's no longer somewhere between this mark and this mark on this transmission line. It's exactly at this point. We know, we know where that moves, is. You, you still know where it is. Exactly. And for videos, like people say, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words then a video must be worth a thousand pictures in a, in a million words. Like the, these are things that like are truly changing the entire way that uh, at least our customers who are, you know, very mobile first, it's completely changing the way that they work. And I think that's, again, just something that people don't often realize um, when they're deploying a mobile first solution. And I think the first thing that people real, uh, think about is like, okay, now I can do all the work I did on a desktop now on a mobile device. Yep. And that's just a very small component of it. All right. Excellent. Ryan, I know you're a busy guy, but before we go, where can people find out more about you, upkeep, the maintenance community, all these great things you guys are doing? <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active just as you are, James. Um, I'll be going to SMRP. That's where we, we met last, uh, I think that was two years ago. Yep. Um, I'm pretty active within our own maintenance community Slack group. You can find more about it on at upkeep.org. Um, and if you're interested in checking out upkeep, you can check out our website at onupkeep.com. All right. Excellent. I will make sure to put links to all of these in the show notes, uh, so people can easily find them. I will be at SMRP as well. Uh, this year. So looking forward to St. Louis. All right. I'll see you there. Now, last question for you. Any go-to resources you want to share with our listeners? Um, for us, a big one is our maintenance community. I've mentioned it you know, a few times already, but that, this is like our biggest piece. This is our biggest like resource center for all of our you know, listeners and all of um, our, our customers. Um, we've got a 4,000 plus member group on Slack, which is basically a, an online collaboration tool to enable people to connect with one another all across the world. 
There's about 4,000 people, many different industries, different skill levels. Um, it's a great, great resource for anyone that wants to either learn a little bit more about maintenance reliability, has a um, question in mind that they want to ask an expert. Um, again, it's, it's probably like our best resource center for anyone in this industry. All right. Excellent. No, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, participate. Probably not, not as much as I could, but I participate answering questions when I get them asked and sometimes commenting on things. But then also all the webinars you guys do as well. So there's always two or three webinars a week you guys are running. And I think that's a great opportunity as well um, yeah. Yeah. to share that knowledge. All right. Yeah. Thanks for calling that out, James. Our webinars are great run by our community team too. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Ryan, I want to thank you for taking the time today to chat through mobility with us. Greatly appreciate it. All right. Until the next time, hopefully it won't be another two years. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.